Jay right in your face. Welcome back to episode number 16. I tried to find a 16 for the Raptors, but I genuinely it's just blanking right now. Who is 16? I'm blanking really hard. Who did you put for your wedding? The story, remember? The 16 I'm, days I'm blanking. No? I'm blanking. But welcome back to the Fadeaway Podcast. I'm your host, Fatty, alongside me today. I feel like I've used this first name before. Probably. But not this last name. Mr. Anze Rigudala. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> what was the... <laughs> Anze Rigudala. And what'd you do for the first one? For the first oh on Zay oh, Yeah. Oh my goodness. Come on. You've man. had better, bro. Come on. But I mean it's with trade deadline being today. Fair. You know, him being that really the headliner of trade deadline, which we'll get into. Bruh. I felt it was a very deadline. fitting, a fitting it, it is pretty fitting. It is pretty fitting. Not the greatest. I you know what? I'll ask Josh what he thinks about this one. Okay, that, Josh, you got my back, bro? That's the standard. Josh is the one who critiques all the names now. All right, we'll check that out. But uh talk to me about uh, well firstly how you are, but I mean, today was a crazy trade deadline, so uh, how are you feeling after all the events of today? There was actually some pretty good trades this season. Um, weird uh, ones, though. Weird, a couple uh, weird ones. A couple weird ones, couple, you know, head scratchers, but a few actually somewhat blockbuster, you could say, trades. Some pretty, some pretty good stars, you know. A lot of pieces moving. Some, some obviously were weirder than others, and we'll get into that shortly. But like honestly, that like that was one of the trade deadlines with more activity. I think this this year, in the last two days, there was a bunch of activity. So yeah, you know, especially nearing that three o'clock mark, I think that's when the deadline is yeah is yeah. over. And, and a lot we'll, of things went down. We'll go through an in depth analysis of all this, the main main stuff that happened mm-hmm. anyway. So to all our listeners, don't stress. Okay, we'll, we'll tell you everything that you need for your. For your discussions at work. So, we got you. Uh, last night, the Toronto Raptors extended their winning streak to 12. Wow. The big one, too. Wow. Franchise best. Uh, city best, I think, is Toronto, the best for all Toronto sports Toronto teams. Toronto sports best. So, that is a pretty crazy accomplishment. And to do it in a fashion that they did it against Indiana, closing out the game on a 13-0 run, being downtown with under two minutes left and just taking over the game, Playing defense, finishing at the rim. Talk to us about what you liked and what you saw in that Raptors game, bro. Before we get started, though, number sixteen for the Raptors, Matt Bonner, the Red Rocket. That's who it was, man. In my mind, I was like, it's not Matt Barnes. Bro. Matt Bar- no, it's There's not Matt Barnes. There's two more. Pedro <laughs> Come on, bro. And Steve Novak, man. I was gonna say Steve man. Novak, but yeah, yeah, I goofed. I, and I'm pretty sure I used Steve Novak for mine. I think that's the one you use for your, for your wedding. Yeah, I love on. Steve. But last night's game, huge game. That game was probably one of the – obviously, you could say it's the biggest out of the, the 12 because that's the one that got the record. But other than that, it's the, big, the biggest because, in my opinion, the Raptors were so used to facing under 500 teams during that 11-game, that first 11-game span that they're going up against a really, really good and underrated Indiana team with some really good coaching. They got Old Depot back. So that game was also kind of like a trap game for them. You know, you're, you've tied the record. You just got to get over that last hump. And we were down 16, was it? How much was it? The yeah, they were, they, were down, they, went, they were down like good 15, 16. Right? So that game really seemed like a trap game for the Raptors. And then you saw Nick Nurse's huge adjustment when nothing was going right offensively and everything was going, on, going wrong defensively. Nick Nurse played that small ball lineup, and he put Pascal Siakam at the five. And then that, and the whole theory behind that was that 
the Raptors could switch everything, and they'd have instead of having Chris Boucher or Serge Ibaka guard Malcolm Brogdon off the pick and roll, you yeah. have Pascal, you have OG switching, and that worked wonders for the Raptors. Right off the bat, that first play after the Raptors switched to that to the small ball lineup, essentially turnover. Yeah, turn off, turnover after turnover, and then we, the Raptors start to build that lead. And what I'm actually most impressed about is Serge Ibaka had 30 points last night. Woo! And it's and that's and the not, game winner. And the game winner, right? But that's not the impressive part I want to talk about. I want to talk about Nick Nurse essentially having the cojones to yeah. take him out and put in Pascal at the five. You, yeah. Usually you want to ride a hot hand. Usually you want you want the guy who's actually killing it, who's in the rhythm, who's in the flow to to keep playing, keep going. But he took him out just because he saw, I guess, that problem that the Raptors were having yes. defensively, and it and it worked wonders. And you look at it, and that's and that's why Nick Nurse is a championship coach now. Yeah, and uh, right? easily, easily my pick for coach of the year. Uh, the way that he's been playing this year, considering uh, when you I saw this uh, the stat where it broke down teams who've missed the most amount of man games. Uh, due to injury, meaning they took all the injury on the team accumulated for all the players to see which team has uh, suffered the most, let's say, absences from guys that are injured. And the Raptors are fifth on that list, and they're the only team on the list with a winning record by far. By far. By an absolute margin. So to to think that they won 36 of 50 games with a team that, you know, every every here and there you're getting 10 missed games from Norm, 10 from Kyle, 10 from Fred – from Pascal, from Mark, every single one of our core guys has missed more than 10 games. So yeah. when you think of the adjustments, the the preparation, a lot, and this goes really underrated in terms of how, like, a coach is really effective by looking at his players, mm-hmm. right? Are these guys ready to compete on a nightly basis? Are the young guys going to step up when they need to? Are the guys that are two-way contract going to fight, going to play when they're, get, when they're called up? You know, they want to prove that. Uh, the, their name, they want to prove their tenacity, whatnot. Nick Nurse is really underrated in the sense where these guys are ready to compete on a nightly basis. There's no question. Yeah. They come out, they're ready to compete, they're ready to defend, they're ready to run his system. And that's the thing, too, a lot of people don't realize. When you have an intricate system such as Nick Nurse's, it's not just an intelligent coach, but think about how intelligent you have to be to run it, right? Like, think about it as, like, as an airplane, like – it takes one way, like crafting an airplane is pretty tough. Like I can't craft you an airplane. And somebody who can build you a computer probably can't just build you an airplane, right? In, this, it, in the same way, it takes all the training and all the skills to operate an airplane. Mm-hmm. It takes the same amount of skill set and just the above average smartness Knowledge. Knowledge. to be able to, to actually navigate Nick Nurse's system and, and manipulate it to work however you want it to work. Yeah. So that, that goes extremely underrated. I think Nick Nurse is having... An incredible year. Shout out to the Raptors, man. 12th straight. Um, crazy. It, it, it is really crazy. And, and you mentioned um, the trap game potential. I actually disagree. I think Friday's game is a trap game. This Friday? Both against Indiana. Uh, but I felt this one, we had a bit of house money. It was at home. We were off a couple mm. days rest. But we're playing Friday in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're coming hard. They, they're not happy. And they have a really, really good team. Uh, I, the Raptors did break it up. But at the end of the day, they were down 16 pretty consistently against the Pacers the whole time. So Brogdon was giving us fits the entire game, from the beginning of the yeah. game to the end. Like, Brogdon is just that guy who, A, has his way with the Raptors, but B, is a very talented player, right? Old Depot coming back, giving them that depth, 
the options. Sabonis just having an all-star season. So Sabonis. Bro. Shout out to the Pacers and Nate McMillan's doing a heck of a job. Don't wanna don't wanna forget about him. Let's talk a bit about uh, another team that's considered like a, a more of a, a foe, I guess, to both of those teams. Not anymore, the, bro. <laughs> yeah, Steve not is, anymore. They're, they're hardly up right now. But on, man. the sixth team in the East, the Philadelphia 76ers, are everyone's wide-known pick in the beginning of the year to make the finals, if not make the conference final in the East. Yeah. And are now sitting at a lowly sixth. They're not doing too well. So what's going on down in Philly in the city of brotherly love? No love, man. No love for the brothers. Was it was it after the Miami game that Al Horford came out and said that there's trouble in the locker room? Yeah. So he, just a quick recap of that. Um, the Miami Heat game, they Miami slapped the the 76ers by 31 points. Wow. Jimmy Butler dropped 38. In three quarters. Bam had 18. Duncan Robinson with 19. Derrick Jones Jr. with 15. Goran Dragic off the bench with 24. So you just look at the Heat just play complete basketball. And what I love about the Heat, just quickly, is that you never really know who's going to give it to you on a given night. Yeah. Like, Jimmy had 38 today. Tomorrow he can just get 14, and they'll still win the game, yep. right? So that's what I love about their basketball and, and what Coach, Coach Spo has been doing. But for the Sixers, bro, Tobias Harris and Al Horford, six points each. That's not going to do it for you. Ben no. Simmons had, this, had 16. Joel Embiid with 29 and 12. Mike Scott has 17, who honestly is a good shooter. I like Mike Scott. He's, a, then, he's a Raptor killer, he bona fide is. Raptor and killer. And then um, Shake Milton. I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy. 11 points. Yeah. So not bad, but you're he's not. He's the guy that's uh, taking over for Josh Richardson. He's a point guard. Point guard? Yeah. Not bad production. However, Tobias Harris and Al Hofer at six points each is not going to cut it for you. These guys are your two highest paid guys, two of your more sk- skilled guys on the team. Now what's well, these are your two biggest signings of the summer. Right. Right. So the elephant in the room obviously has been over the last couple of weeks where it's been building up. It's been they play they seem to play better maybe with Ben Simmons or they play a better brand of basketball with Ben Simmons cuz Joel Embiid was out with injury. Now that they're back, they can't seem to kind of gel together. And it just looks honestly and they were hot when he was out. Right. And it, it just looks like they cannot seem to mesh all the pieces together. And I've been saying this since last year, maybe even the year before. Brett Brown is not a good coach. No. He's not got, for this system. Not for this not for the personnel that they have. He's not a good coach. He's kind of he, I know he comes from that Spurs brand of basketball, but this is not the Spurs team. You don't have the same personnel as the Spurs. You're loaded up on bigs, you've got length, you've got size, you've got a point guard who can't shoot threes. Yeah. And then you've got a big man who can who can post up, but there's not enough room in the post because Tobias Harris is usually a, a, he could play out on the on the wings, but he likes to play also inside in the post. You have Al Holford in the post, Joel Embiid in the post. Where is the room there? There's no space. You got to find space for your guys. Yeah, a system that works. And it just seems like either you can go two ways. Either Brett Brown is the problem, where you maybe bring in a coach that knows what to do with with the with, with the personnel. Or you get rid of one of Ben or Joel Embiid, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and the 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 tricky thing about that one from a from a head coach or not even head coach from a general manager, president of basketball operations perspective is when you have players like cornerstone players like Joel Embiid, like Bell Simmons, Bell, like Ben Simmons, who can really change, you know the 
uh, trajectory of your franchise mm-hmm. once you add them to your team. Guys who can make an instant change to a team. Uh, you don't want to be the person to trade the wrong one. Yeah, absolutely. And, right? and, and it, who who do you trade? Like, both guys bring so many different things to the table. Who do you trade? Like, for me personally, if I'm looking at Philly's situation, because of their personnel, because of having a guy like Al Horford, it's sort of a no-brainer for me that you get rid of Joel Embiid. Yeah. But then who's going to be a big buyer for Joel Embiid? Not many teams. That's the problem. Right. His injury. He's got a big contract. He's got history. a big nagging injury hist- history. Yes, we all know in, at his best, he's, he's very, nasty. very good. But A, can he last the whole season? And B, how long is his career really going to last? Mm-hmm. When Joel Embiid's 30, 31, is he going to be able to play basketball anymore? He's not in shape. He's not as in shape as you would hope he no, would be. No, he's not. And everyone's right. going to talk about Zion. Let's talk about Joel Embiid. Like, yeah. He's not in shape just as much as Zion's not in shape. Yeah, Maybe Zion's a little bit chubbier. But at the end of the day, Joel Embiid is, has yet to prove that that dog seriousness, like, I want to see him focus a little bit. In the beginning of the year, he did make an oath to not talk trash anymore, and that was gone after a month when he got into a fight with Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> but, I mean, I want to see him get serious. I want to see him buckle down. Whether it's for the Sixers or not, I think the Sixers need to make something happen because this team is just not going to do it, whether it's Brett Brown or not. I think the Brett Brown firing, Brett Brown train has sailed a little bit. I think you're going to run out of time by – bringing in another coach and starting all over again with this personnel that you have. So something's got to work with this roster because I don't know what they want to do, if they're going to want to move somebody, bring in somebody proper, but I just don't see much playoff success happening for the Sixers. I see major changes after this year when they get out in the first round. Yeah. I don't think they're going to make it out the first round. I think their window closed last year on that Kawhi shot because that was their best Sixers team in – the whole process era. Yeah, you're right. But I, I just don't think that Kawhi's shot is what pushed Jimmy out. I think where their window closed no. was yeah. when they put Tobias Harris in that room and they say, we, you're our guy. We're right. going to give you right. your contract. That. And that's where, yeah. that's really where it all derailed. Like Tobias Harris is a very nice player, but let's not forget where he made his name. He made his name for the, Clippers, the Detroit right? Pistons when they were nothing. Yeah. And he was on Orlando when they were nothing. And then he was on, uh, he was on the Clippers for a little bit before – it was the year that they made the playoffs, Clippers. but he was kind of there for half the year, yeah. right? Again, crazy production, but he's producing on teams that he's the only guy. He's that guy. So now he's on a team with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Al Horford, Josh Richardson, and you're asking this guy, you know, come in here and, and do what you were doing. Just, you know, pick it up. It's not going to happen. A guy like Jimmy Butler has played in, in big games. He's playoff tested. He's played with big names. The fact that they're going to go with Tobias Harris over him, I think that's exactly where Elton Brand and the Philadelphia 76ers just crumpled up their season into a little yeah. ball and they drop kicked it. I don't understand how you can look, like as a, as a GM, how you can compare the two players and just say, yeah, this guy's our guy when it's Tobias Harris versus Jimmy Butler. I have an easy one for you. And it, and this what, is what the locker room attitude. Like no, no, no. It has nothing to do with the locker room. It has everything to do with Elton Brand is the GM, and Elton Brand is a big man in the league. And big men in their mind think that size is the key to everything. Tobias Harris is a much bigger framed individual Awful than Jimmy deal. Butler. Awful thinking to come in and shoot. And I I firmly believe that that's the case because who else did he bring in the offseason? Al, Al Horford, right? So you have an Al Horford, Tobias Harris. <laughs> And Joel Embiid is your three, four, five combination. That's a slow. And your one is six, seven that can't shoot. 
That's a slow team. If that's not a team built by a big man, then I don't know what is. Like that is that to me is evident attitude of a a guy who used to be a big man in the league, and Elton Brand deserves his flowers. He had a good career. He was a good player, but now you're you're formulating a team as if it were in the 1990s. Like back in the day when you had the biggest guys on the court, yeah, these guys are gonna win. They they got the bigger guys on the court. We got a team like Houston now, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. Six, six, and running, under. running. PJ Tucker at the center. PJ Tucker was a three for the Raptors. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's a three around the league. Yeah, you're starting him at the five. So the side, the whole size thing is not necessarily going to work as well. I think they need to make some changes. Uh, they have too many names. Listen, I'm the, afraid they have too many names. Why I don't think the Brett Brown firing has has sailed is because you've got. Tobias Harris long term, you got Al Hofford long term. I believe you have Ben Simmons long term and Joel Embiid long term. You bring in a new coach, you still got three years, two, yeah. three years to go with that. So that's yeah. that's why I don't think it's helped. If there was like a one year left, there's no point. But yeah. you've got these guys locked in long term. Also, losing JJ Redick was a huge deal. Yeah, I, I don't. I, maybe I I'm, agree I'm there. too passionate I, about the only, that. The but only the only thing I would say about that is Matisse Thybulle has been. Really, really, really good, and they got Josh Richardson, which I yeah. really like that. So they, as well. they got pieces to to supplement the JJ Reddick. So he's a good shooter, but at the end of the day, he's very one dimensional. He just gives you the shooting, right? And that, but that's what they needed, though, the most right now. You know I, what I mean? I think that Jimmy was not just their best. Oh, fit for on sure, Jimmy. Wise, yeah, yeah, he was city wise. He about, was the city. He yeah. was Philly. Yeah, his attitude, his demeanor was everything that Philly's about. Yeah, and everybody in Philly knew that that was their biggest mistake, and he wanted to stay. He said it. I'm so I happy to be here, but so happy on Miami. In though. hindsight, yeah, now looking back at Miami and especially what they Dang. just did today, we're gonna. I'm so excited to talk about know, these trades. Let's, go. let's let's pick it up. Let's pick it up. So let's just dive right into the trades, man. Let's uh, let's break it down worst for everybody. Best, best to worst, or just random. I would let's go random. I don't really random. care. Let's just talk about all of them. I think the Houston one was first. The that, four yes, team that was so, yes, yeah. yesterday. So that was a, a four team, one. twelve player trade. So if you want want to walk us through that one, we can just get started with that one. All right, so. The Houston Rockets acquired Robert Covington, Jordan Bell, Atlanta Hawks acquire Clint Capella and Nene, which a little bit of a head scratcher of what we were talking about and is what we were talking about before. But the Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves acquire Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan. Is it Wancho? Yeah, that's how you say it. Wancho. Wancho. Yeah. That's a that's elite. Wancho Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, Jared Vanderbilt, and Atlanta's first round pick. That's a lot of pieces, man. Yeah. And then Denver Nuggets acquire Noah Vonley. Gerald Green and Houston's first round pick. So a bunch of moving parts, a bunch of moving pieces. But what I think what we want to focus on is probably the Rockets and the Hawks. The Rockets and the Hawks. But I also want to mention uh, Malik Beasley is very underrated. Okay. That's a great pick. Yeah. Um, the reason why they got rid of him is because Denver is actually deep in the guard, They're the wings. very deep in the wings. Uh, and he was up for a payday, so they got rid of him, nice. unfortunately. But shout-out to Malik Beasley, an underrated player, and whoever picked him up. I can't remember, honestly, who in that trade picked him up. Was it yeah. Minnesota? It was Minnesota, yes. Yeah, that's a good deal. sucks that he's in Minnesota because Minnesota's <laughs> trash, and Minnesota's where all players go to trash. Yeah. And we're going to talk about them shortly. But Malik Beasley, uh, Minnesota had a low-key good trade deadline, but they we'll did. talk about that. Uh, but right Prior to that trade, Atlanta waived Chandler Parsons and and his expiring $25.1 million contract to create roster space for this trade. Now, Atlanta, we said, acquired Clint Capella and Nene, which... They're raving Nene, though, I think. Which, yeah, I believe they won't wave Nene, but Clint Capella was a centerpiece for them, and literally centerpiece, yeah. and which I don't really understand, and what we talked about, I think, the last pod, why? Why would you invest in a guy like Clint Capella, who I think has maybe... 
four, three or four years left on his deal and get, is getting fat money. Yeah. When you've got pieces already in house that you can you can develop, and I I know Clint Capella is a great pick and roll guy, a rim protector, you know, catching lobs. It would be very good to see him and Trey Young in a pick and roll. But I just don't think you really had to invest in a guy like Clint Capella. He's more of a maybe let's try to win now kind of piece. I feel. So with this young young core, I just didn't really see why they would go for him. I don't yeah. know if you're seeing something different. I'm just trying to break it. I'm trying to look at exactly who the Hawks gave up to get him because, from my understanding, they actually didn't give up that much. They didn't. No. So that and and when I first looked at it, I thought the same as you, but I was trying to think of like. When did I realize Clint Capella was a good player? And the reason or the the time really I started thinking that was when he was prime pick and roll with James Harden. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So the the pick and roll potential, the lob potential is great. Mm-hmm. Uh he what he brings to the team defensively is intangible. Um why I love it slightly for the Hawks is because I think he fits in really well with Trey Young. He in will in the sense where Trey Young is a terrible defender, right? Terrible. And that's been his thing. He's a, a exceptional offensive player, terrible defensively. He's too small. He gets, you know, bodied, gets run over. It's it's not even it's not fair. He's he's just awful. Mm. To get that sort of rim protection, yes, John Collins is currently there and he's playing really well, but John Collins is a small center, right? Yeah. For him to be your only guy, your only real solid big man, a, you're exposing him to foul trouble every game because he's he's a small guy. Yeah. He's got to do a lot to guard bigger guys. Yeah. So that's where you bring in a guy like Capella. Mm-hmm. You push John Collins to the floor, let him be a little bit more comfortable, a little bit better matchup maybe. Uh, and then you get Capella in the center. Capella's very capable. He can score. Yeah. That's what people don't even realize because when you're playing with Harden, your skills are only about 30% exhausted. Well, you, you feed off of his play, right? You don't really have much Yeah, but to- you only you only eat when it's in his head that he can't get this basket, right? Whereas yeah. I think Trey Young is better at involving his teammates more. But then the argument is, okay, you can involve him. So you're you're talking about outside of lobs. How are you going to involve Click Capella? He doesn't really have a back to the basket game. Does he? He doesn't I don't really know. have a we don't know that because he has to we- develop that game now. Or a stretch, a mid-range stretch. I, that's the thing game. is, I don't know, I don't know too, too much about Clint, Clint Capello's back to the basket game and his ability. We don't see it, right? But from at face value, to me, I don't see how this could be bad. Considering they really didn't give up too much for him at all. I just don't want them to tie up their money in a Clint Capella kind of guy. I see that obviously they waived Chandler Parsons to make the space, but since they have a young core. John Collins, is it John Collins? I believe John Collins. Yeah. Trey Young and Herder, those guys are going to need to need to be signed in a few years. So you got to make sure you got the cap space to sign these guys and keep that young core together. Yeah. So Cam Reddish is on rookie contract till the end of Clint Capella's contract. Okay. As is DeAndre Hunter. Okay. Kevin Herder is going to be up for payment the year before his last year. Okay. Trey Young as well. Okay. And I believe. Um, Collins. John Collins is a year before uh, Trey because mm-hmm. he came into the league a year before Trey. So, yeah, I mean, he is locked in for a couple of years. They also got rid of Jabari Parker. Huge. So that was that was a big um, – he's he's guaranteed like 13 mil or 6.5 mil, and he has a player option next year. So Poor guy. Ends up being 13 mil. 
gets just tossed around everywhere. Yeah. So I mean, good trade for the Hawks. I, good, I don't think it'll deal. interrupt their their ability. I think this clears up a lot of cap space for them, a roster spot as well. Do I think that Clint Capel is going to change the Hawks? No. No. He might win them four or five more games than they were supposed to win, but in no way do I believe that he's going to change the outcome of, of their roster. Their change has to come with from developing their young guys. Yeah, yeah. That's where yeah, their yeah. future – That's it's all in they the future. They have too many. They have way too many. Like DeAndre Hunter, um, Trey Young, Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter – DeAndre Bembry, John Collins, all these guys are kids. That's good. In in two to three years, you have either a star or a potential star or yeah. a, a valuable trading piece. Yeah. Right before you. And we all we all know we all know what uh, what's his name's about. Trey. Trey Young. So. Ice Trey, baby. Yeah. Uh, the Rockets. Yeah. So the Rockets. They acquired Robert Covington and Jordan Bell. And now, then they <laughs> traded Jordan Bell. And then they traded Jordan Bell after, right? So. So just Robert Covington. What does this mean? It means they're going six, six, and under. Robert Covington is gonna play the four, maybe the five. We know PJ's gonna play the five. So just this for is, our listeners who don't know Robert Covington, he's also a wing player, which mm-hmm. means he's not a big man. He plays on the three. He defends guards. He defends like small forwards. He's a wing player. He's a wing player. Three and D. So good piece to they add. They gave up their center, their only big man, for him for a guard for a wing. Good piece to add. Rocco is a very good player. I think he can be good around. Other good guys. We saw that in Philadelphia. However, they are going all in on this analytics. Yep. Six six and under. And I heard that their owner is a no nonsense kind of guy. So they're like so he's he's expecting them to win. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm excited because this might be the last year we see Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey, I think. Yeah. Working for the Rockets. Well, the whole objective of this trade is well. Uh, yeah, one thing is analytics and 6-6 six, six and all that, but Tillman Furtado, the owner, wanted to get below the luxury tax. Right. Because he was looking at his team, and he's like, okay, as presently constructed, I'm stuck because I have Russell Westbrook on this enormous deal. I have Harden on another enormous deal, and then I have $72 million tied up in Clint Capella. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the luxury tax for a team that's not going to win a championship. So I actually respect his move. Right. To look at the team and say, this team is not good enough. I need to... Do you something. know, be wiser with my money. Yeah. So they made a trade that got them below the luxury tax. So they're they're six mil, eight mil below the luxury tax. So they're fine. Now they can just develop the system. So you mentioned analytics. It's interesting you bring that up because analytics is actually, well, they're actually on the route to doing this, but they're on route to pretty much eliminating the value of a rebound. Absolutely. Pretty much saying, yeah, rebounds are quantifiable stats, but they're not actually meaningful. Like somebody grabbing a rebound off a missed shot where there's nobody there, you're just running the play. Like that is not a, a changing play. So they went and said, okay, you know what? We're going to get rid of our rebounders. We're going to cram you on the on the perimeter. We're going to really push up against the perimeter. You're not going to be able to shoot. And if you miss, you best bet mm-hmm. we're running that floor. Yeah. Now the risks in that is come playoff time, when the game slows down, what are you going to do? Also, when you miss, you miss twenty-seven straight threes. What are you gonna do? Well, like I, I'm just thinking, like right now they're sitting at what, like the sixth seed, fifth seed. Like let's say they go up against like a Utah, right? Yeah. Are they gonna be able to stop Gobert? Like I'm not saying Gobert is a threat, but are they gonna be able to do anything to slow him down from being able to distribute, from being able to do what he needs to do? Can they even get to the rim? Listen. 
not only Gobert. Gobert is the least of the examples that we're gonna give because they have Gobert, who's not even and that's a as, potential just first round. Matchup. Not even as offensively sound yeah. as a Jokic, yeah. as an AD, AD, as even like a, a guy like Javale McGee who can get up and get rebounds. Guys like Dwight Howard can get up and play physical and get rebounds. Yeah. So they they're trying to eliminate that whole. I just don't understand because they're trying to eliminate the value of a rebound, like you said. So they have to play great perimeter defense. So once someone breaks that perimeter defense, there's absolutely no way of stopping the hand, the ball handler, yeah. or whoever's down low. So exactly, yeah. and then so what they're actually cashing in on essentially is what you're what you're saying is they're cashing in on we're gonna score more points than you, threes are more than twos, and we're gonna outrun you, and we're gonna outrun you, yeah, which is wild, and we've never seen that before. And I would love to see how far wild, it goes. That's that's a system that is contingent on perfect execution. And perfect and efficient shooting. Yeah, like if you don't execute that perfectly, you you don't stand a chance. There's no question. Like, it's not even it's not even close. And it's and I don't know. I'm you obviously you've painted me as a Harden hater in the past, <laughs> but Harden isn't always the most efficient player. Russell Westbrook does either one of them is is efficient and the other isn't, and it's always vice versa. And never they never can be efficient together. Peter Tucker is a great shooter. Rocco is a pretty good shooter. Austin Rivers is a pretty good shooter. He can he's a good ball handler. So these guys all have to be efficient. James Harden, if he is not efficient in the playoffs, this team will go nowhere. Yeah, and because he's just going to go one for twenty, one for eighteen, and and literally shoot them out of the game. So it's two extremes. It can either go very well or very poorly. I'm going to bet on very poorly. That's another team that just like Philly, like I said, I don't think they make it. Fast, I don't. I don't think they make it past the first round. Yeah. So it's going to be tough for them. For sure. Let's move on. Uh, I guess this is like the blockbuster trade of the day. But Maple Jordan. Maple Jordan. Who nobody's ever referred to as Maple Jordan. First of all, before we get into this, I foresaw this trade a couple weeks ago. But go ahead. Yeah, you did. Maple Jordan, a.k.a. Andrew Wiggins from Minnesota, has been traded. Has been traded. Finally, man. To the Golden State Warriors. Finally. Four. So they traded D'Angelo Russell to Minnesota. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cat and D'Angelo got their wish. Essentially. Being best friends playing on the same team. Yes. For a deal that includes Andrew Wiggins, <clears throat> a twenty twenty one protected first round pick, and a twenty twenty two second round pick. So they got two picks. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like that. Wow. Does nobody value Andrew Wiggins or what? They gave up Andrew Wiggins and, and two, two picks. picks. To get D'Angelo Russell. What I, has D'Angelo Russell done in his career to demand Wiggins in two picks? I just think, I don't think it was that, what has D'Angelo Russell done? I think D'Angelo Russell is vastly underrated. I like D'Angelo Russell. I like him too. However, I just think that Minnesota wanted to get a deal done so badly, I think, because Cat hasn't won since November, and yeah, he's upset. They've dropped 13 straight. Right, so they, need to, they needed to get a deal done so badly to keep Cat happy that I think they threw in those two or I think Golden State was able to kind of squeeze that out of them. Yeah. But this is a great trade for Golden State, man. The way I see it, next year you have a great fourth option, great slash third option. Yeah. And I think he but plays is that. he great? Listen, he's not a good one option. He's not a good two option. He'll be a decent third option. Can defend and can play offense. Uh, can he defend, though? I don't know I if think he can so. defend. I think so. He's not really that great of a defender, man. He has the ability to, though. That, see, that's the thing, and, and that's Wiggins' whole career. 
has been off his ability. But is he, has, he, has he been playing for a contending team? This is a whole different culture you're talking about. You're talking about a Steve Kerr defense. You're talking about being around great guys like Clay, like Draymond, like Steph. Right? It's a different culture there. I just I just I look at his attitude and I have I find it hard that you're telling me that this person is the product of a franchise. Brother, you can have a crappy attitude in Minnesota. Best believe you go to a place like Golden State where you're you're the fourth option, third option, you're gonna you're gonna sharpen up a little bit. Like the biggest thing I think is the fact that Andrew Wiggins is gonna be in Golden State with a winning culture, with Hall of Famers. Yes. Guys like Draymond who's gonna hold him accountable. So in that regard, I think that he obviously has a good enough skill set, but he's shooting thirty three percent from three. He's shooting volume. He's shooting thirty three percent though, and that's not gonna fly. Absolutely. It's not and, fly. and especially because the Warriors are such a fluid system. It's move off the ball, go around the screen, catch the ball, shoot. Like, can he play a catch and shoot system? Do you know what this comp, what, in my opinion, Andrew Wiggins, his role on this team is comparable to Harrison's Bar- Harrison Barnes' role on that team when he was on there. And how did that work out? They won a championship. And not because of him. Yeah, but he played a great fourth piece. That's exactly what you need. And I think he and I think Andrew Wiggins is more talented than Harrison Barnes. Yeah. So that's the way I, I see it. I, and that's why I think they should, faith. they should do I'm it. I'm not losing faith in Andrew Wiggins because I, I had faith in him to start this season and he's just he started out really well and then just died he off died down. Like completely. Yeah. So from that perspective, I'm a little bit disappointed, but he has all the intangibles and the athleticism and the potential to be a superstar. Maybe not a superstar, no, he won't but be to a be a star. To be a star not in this even league, a star, so dude. I don't really care. About I think him being a star. I think with the the correct leadership, he could head in that direction. But this will be a really telling uh, place for him in terms of his work ethic, his leadership. Can mm-hmm. he take over? Can he be influenced? Can he learn? Hopefully, can he man. be better? And let's see if they even keep him. Yeah, well, they I, could we don't know. Him. We they don't know what him. they're gonna do. Uh, and then I actually want to talk about Minnesota side of this because I don't think Minnesota lost this trade at all. I, I wouldn't say good, lost, but I think this is a good situation for both teams a you're rejuvenated your big guy now because he got his best friend well you have to keep him. right they're boys and they're both locked in for the next three four years so their boys are staying here whatever mm-hmm. b i just think the combination of big man point guard is better than big man wing absolutely right I agree with you there so big man wing is kind of slightly what we're seeing with the ben simmons thing even though he plays point guard he's not really like he he attacks the basket like a wing, he sides like a wing, and it disrupts the flow for Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Wiggins and Cat did not fit in together, right? At all. I he Cat was demotivated. Wiggins looked demotivated. Mm-hmm. It was just not a good fit for anybody. From that perspective, I think it's a win-win for both. You got a rejuvenated Cat. You got a really good point guard, a young point guard. You got the point guard big man mentality. You can now shop for uh, wing guys. But then we also talk about Malik Beasley, somebody they picked up in a trade, right? Right, so I would arguably take Malik Beasley in in Minnesota system over Wiggins. He's a much better defender. He's a much better three point shooter, mm-hmm. and he makes infinitely less money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's gonna be up for a pay payday, but there's no chance Malik Beasley is gonna get Wiggins type money. I think to complete this idea of what they're doing, they need to get rid of their coach, Ryan Ryan Saunders. I know there's like a sentimental value in having him coaching that team, but. His philosophy is analytics as well. Jack up some threes. Let's just keep running, running, running. I don't think that's going to work as well for this team. And I just think they need more of a system. And like you said, 
point guard big man is a great combination. And D'Angelo Russell is a far more willing passer than Andrew Wiggins was. So you're going to see a lot more teamwork. You're going to see a lot more fluidity there. So I think they need to, com- to, in order to complete what the vision of this trade is, you need a yeah. new, a very experienced and respectable head coach. Bring in Mark Jackson or something. That'd be fire. Now, uh, let's talk about my favorite trade. Can we talk about some Heat Grizzlies? Brother, I'm hype. Because I want to talk about both the Heat and the Grizzlies. Bro. So, can you break that down for us? Let's break it down. Okay, so Memphis Grizzlies acquired Justice Winslow, huge. Dion Waiters, huge. And Gorgia Jiang, pretty good. The Miami Heat acquire Andre Iguodala, huge. Jay Crowder, huge. Solomon Hill, pretty good. And then Minnesota... Minnesota Timberwolves acquired James Johnson. Yeah. Pretty big for their team as well, actually. So I'm going to go on the Miami side because Miami is my non-Raptors team. And I claimed them at the beginning of the year before all this happened. Yep. Adding Iggy, my opinion, and obviously Iggy signed that two-year extension after worth $30 million. This guy's a legend for cashing in on that somehow. So you add Andre Iguodala, who gives you something far more than the box score. He's a guy who can make open shots, stretch the floor, Great defender, give you, can give you great minutes in the playoffs, which is where you need him the most. He's a winner, great leadership. When you have a team filled with young guys and their core is basically all young guys who have never been to the playoffs, how do you counteract that? You get experience. You get experience to teach these guys how to act in the playoffs, how to play in the playoffs, because you can't rely on young guys in the playoffs. They need that experience. It's a whole different game in the playoffs. Yeah. You bring in Andre Godala, who's a finals MVP, who's won before, who's been there before. Great example to set. You bring in Jay Crowder, another guy, experienced in the playoffs. He's played with LeBron, played with Utah. Yeah. Great defender, great 3 and D guy as well. So you get the ability to stretch the floor. And they gave up pretty much I, – I won't, I won't really talk much about Solomon Hill. He's also a, probably a great body, great – but he'll be an end-of-the-bench kind of guy. But you I essentially got – Maybe. They'll, they may use him. Yeah. But you essentially gave up, on, you gave up Justice Winslow, who wasn't developing as much as they wanted him to, who's also due – I believe, for an extension or unrestricted free agency. So you get rid of him. You don't have to pay him. That's great. You get rid of Dion Waiters, who has been an attitude problem for your team this whole season. That's and great. And money. And money, right. And you get rid of James Johnson, who they didn't really use as much anyways. So you essentially you got rid of three guys that you didn't really quite need. You can argue at Justin Winslow, but you had to pay him for two key guys. And they're cashing in. They're trying to win right now. Yeah. And that's what I love about this trade. Great move by Pat Riley. This guy's the GOAT. And this Miami Heat team, honestly, as a as a Raptors fan, I'm scared of them. Yeah. They're a very, very, very touch ma- tough matchup. And I think they're right up there with the Raptors at giving the Bucks a run for their money yeah. in the playoffs. I 100% agree with you in the sense where they got a lot better defensively. Iguodala's a major upgrade defensively on that roster. Duncan Robinson's a really nice player, but come playoff time, I'm sorry. I want Iguodala in my starting lineup over Duncan Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay Crowder is a pick that people don't really talk about. And Jay Crowder is, is a very capable player. He Absolutely. can make shots. He can defend really well like you were talking about. He comes in and gives you that tenacity, that great. And you know, in situations when you're up 30, he's going to shoot that shot for you. Yeah, he did it before. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to take that shot. He's going to steal the inbound and take the step back because yeah. he's that guy. Yeah. So, I mean, people don't really talk about the Jay Crowder move. I think that's a good one. Mm. It's also an expiring contract. Great. Great right? move. So, I, you bring that on your payroll, like, 
it's not that big of a deal. Exactly. It's not a de- it's not that big of a deal. Exactly. So Iguodala, like you said, signed the two year thirty mil. I just like this move a lot for Miami, but I also love so much yes. the pieces that Memphis has added. Break it down for Memphis. So Miami has gotten Justice there they traded Justice Winslow, Deion Waiters, and James Johnson to Memphis. Okay? For Iguodala, Solomon Hill, and Jay Carter, like we were just talking about. But Memphis has now Justice Winslow, Deion Waiters, and then James Johnson, whom I believe that they flipped for Gorgie Jang. Mm-hmm. So Gorgie Jang is still a great pickup for them because, in my opinion, what he did in Cat's time away, he played really well. That is a good player to have behind a JV. JV's playing really well for them, but to bring him off the bench gives you that solid backup big man. And then you have Justice Winslow. So Memphis is such a good environment for Justice Winslow to grow because everybody around him is a young stud, right? John Moran, Dylan Brooks, yep. Triple J, yep. right? So this this is a core of young guys, gives Justice Winslow. He's almost a vet in this group, so it gives him the time yeah. to come back and be healthy. But also his upside here is huge. Tremendous. Oh. What he can bring to this roster. And the biggest thing for me and why I love these moves that they made so much is that all of these guys fit in with that dog mentality. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. They're not going to back down from anybody. They're going to battle. They're going to go to war. And I just – I'm so excited to watch them play. And I don't think that they're going to make a push for the playoffs in any way. Uh, sorry, my fault. Memphis no, is in Memphis, the play- – I was thinking Minnesota. Right yeah. And I like this a lot. And I think this is going to help them secure that eight seed. They've. I think they're a game and a half, two games ahead. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Teams this like the Pelicans, teams like Portland are going to make some noise, obviously. But uh, I really, really like the moves that Memphis made. I think Memphis has a, had a phenomenal trade deadline day. It just, it just adds to the young core that Justice Winslow piece. You, I, I saw the picture on on Instagram of him in the middle, and then you had Triple J, and then you had John Morant on the side. Like great young pieces, and you think about JV, who's also still a young center. The automators could be a great move, great piece off the bench. I hope they kind of flip him for something else. I don't know. But his trademark, the trade value there isn't that high. But you just bring in a young, a great young piece that can grow with their great young core and can be good contenders in years to come. They can be in maybe three or four years, you know, at the top four of the of the Western Conference. So I really see that trade going well for them, honestly. Yeah, I love I love those moves. Uh, let's let's move on to the next trade. Um, this one happened towards the end of the day, and I actually really like this trade a lot. Mm-hmm. But the Clippers, Knicks, and Wizards have agreed to a three-team trade that will land Marcus Morris and Isaiah Thomas with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Mo Harkless, I think, going to the Knicks. The and Knicks trade other... their franchise player, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe it? The Knicks. So Marcus Morris, let me, guys, let me tell you guys just a, a little bit about his summer. So he committed to the Spurs. The Spurs then oh. freed up a roster spot in Davis Bertans, who's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. So they let go of him to make space for Marcus. Marcus then says, you know what, never mind. I'm not coming. I'm going to go to New York. Signs in New York. Three months later, shipped out. So cool. now he's in L.A. I'm sure he's not complaining. Brother, that's a great deal. Got paid and I'm got I'm sure LA. he's not complaining. He's on the Clippers. He's going to compete for a title. He's probably going to start. Uh, at their three or four. Who knows what their lineups are anymore, but yeah. Because they lost Mo Harkless, and Harkless was starting for them for a bit. Mm-hmm. So I could see him starting, but regardless, a great defensive piece. Uh, give them, gives them a size, gives them an additional ball handler, additional shot maker, scorer, whatever you want to call him. Good piece for that team. Adds more to their perimeter defense, which is 
what they are already strong in. Yeah. And for him to play alongside guys like Kawhi and PG, it just adds unbelievable size. And you can put him at the four as well. Yeah. As a, even not even a small ball four, you can just make him a stretch four yeah. even. Yeah. So he's so versatile in what he can do. He's not a number one option. Obviously, we saw that for the Knicks. He's just not that kind of guy. He's a great number three, number four option. Yeah. Great defender. Will give you that toughness and grit, which matches that Clippers culture already. So, honestly, great, great trade for the Clippers. Thank God the New York Knicks did something. I don't know what what that does for them really, but it clears well, a lot they, of money. They cleared, it cleared up a money. Lot, a yeah, lot they cleared up them. money and they got a pick. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's a move in the right direction. I don't think that tying up your money in Marcus Morris when you have a Julius Randle really makes any sense at all. Yeah. And you get a pick out of it. So good for you there. Um, like we were saying, man, Marcus Morris, what he brings to the the late, the Clippers is a lot of intangibles. Yeah, uh, he's not really dri- uh, battle tested in terms of he's never made a deep playoff run. Uh, but I've always been fond of the two Morris twins. I think they could bring a lot to a team. Yeah, so it'll be fun to watch uh, that happen. And then the last one of the day, just uh, bro, just south of the border, crazy. Um, wow. the Pistons. <laughs> The Pistons have traded Andre Drummond <laughs> to the Cleveland Cavaliers in exchange for Cleveland's janitor, <laughs> a couple practice pylons. Hey, bro, you got Brandon Knight, man. Six months supply of chicken and waffles. <laughs> and then I believe that six month is going to turn into a three-month supply because <laughs> he's going to cut a half. So uh, they pretty much gave away Andre Drummond for nothing. Brandon Knight um, and John Henson. Brandon Knight. Rounder. They wanted Brandon Knight back. I don't know why they'd want Like, you'd lose him. I don't even know he was still in the league, yeah. but he's coming back. John Henson, again, another guy who we didn't really know was in the league. And a second-round pick. So you're telling me Andre Drummond can get you all of Brandon Knight, John Henson, and a second-round pick? I'm going to tell you why. Because there's no market for a slow back-to-the-basket pick-and-roll. He didn't even have a back-to-the-basket Non-stretch game. big man. He just relies on athleticism. Right. There's no market for that. And at the end of the season, he's an unrestricted free – or he is a free agent. Yeah. You got to pay him. So that's why you trade him for something. Yeah. You get some sort of pieces. You don't You don't get nothing. At least they got a guard and John Henson who's yeah. a, a pretty good big – and a second-round pick, which is yeah. great. So Detroit now gets the chance to start a rebuild. All they got to do now is get rid of Blake Griffin at the end of the season. And then Yuck. Cleveland, I don't know. They just did this to clear cap space, probably. I don't know that you get rid of the expiring contract for Andre Drummond this year. Uh, but or, it, that's the know, only uh, thing that makes sense. Like, why would you have Tristan, Andre, and Kevin Love? Exactly, like, that it makes no sense. Make sense, right? So this is kind of like a almost like let's just do a pointless deal for both teams. Yeah. Let's just get something. Let's get something moving. Let's get some talk. Some someone to talk about us or something like that. Which we they got us to talk about it. Whatever. Yeah. But Feel bad for Andre Drummond, to be honest. He didn't find out. I think he found out some some. Yeah, some I just pulled way. it up his tweet that he said, yeah. if there's one thing I learned about the NBA, there's no friends or loyalty. I've given my heart and soul to the Pistons and have to have this happen with no heads up makes me realize even more that this is just a business. I love you, Detroit. Dot, dot, dot. Cute. Very safe. I guarantee he hated Detroit and wanted out, but this is an opportune time to he play said, that victim card. He said he wants to stay, actually, but who knows? They all say that, and then, then they leave. Yeah, right? You never know. You never know. But... Uh, Nonetheless, an exciting trade, trade deadline, deadline yeah. day. Uh, very, very excited to see um, the effects on a team like Miami, the effects on a team like Memphis, um, the different pieces that they added and mm-hmm. just the potential. And I, I looked for it. It's not happening. Uh, we didn't really get to talk too much about this, but a couple of days ago they interviewed Dylan Brooks about uh, yeah. the Iguodala thing, and he says, I can't wait to find a way to trade him 
mm-hmm. so that we can play against them and show them what we're all about. Yeah. And uh, John Moran doubled that down and tweeted out like a like a speak to the people kind of emoji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a preach, preach kind of thing. Preach, brother. Uh, to then, I think Steph Curry uh, posted a picture of Andre with his uh, championship trophy with a little emoji of like the finger over your mouth kind of thing. Yeah. To which John Morant responded back with a picture of KD, KD. and his <laughs> trophy with the same emoji. Loved it. Uh, John Morant said to a to a tweeter later that day that he and Steph have a mutual respect that they DM'd the, about the whole situation. It's all fine, unfortunately. Bro. I wanted some beef there. It's No, why? It's just, I like that. It's just back and forth talk, you know? You don't yeah. want No, but you always want some beef. It's more interesting. Steph getting to beef. But Steph Curry just image. tampers. That's all he does. That's he probably saying, DM'd yeah. him just to be like, he'll come over, you know? <laughs> Hey, you okay? Come Let me tell you. Bay. <laughs> bay. Hey, my wife's cooking. You want something? Yeah. So that that's that's sort of where they stand right now. So uh, exciting, exciting trade deadline day to sum up this week in basketball. Uh, Raptors go for 13 straight uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, I guess, when this is out tonight against the Pacers again in Indiana. So we'll see how that one goes uh, up until I believe we're coming back to these folks next week. Yeah, we got a quick epi coming next week, and then I'm going to be going to Punta Cana. Nice way to break to celebrate uh, Anthony Gobran's. Uh, Congrats, brother! Who's Anthony? Who's Anthony? I don't know who Anthony is. My boy Beebs. Beebs. His batch party, so that should be a good time. Mm-hmm. We'll miss you. We'll take a shot for all those. A uh, shot of water. Shot of what? For a uh, shot of water like for all those shot? guys who are uh, not going to be able there. to make it. So brought a glass of water for me. Yeah, shout out to Bebo. Shout out to everybody who made a trade today. Shout out to you. Shout out to me. The Fadeaway, Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Google Google Podcasts, Spotify. Every podcast, Spotify. Wherever you want to listen, we're there. Yeah, we're there. So check us out and have yourselves a good weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Take it easy.